Welcome to the Personal Finance Made Simple podcast, where we believe everyone can take control of their money, where personal finance should not be complicated, and we believe that no one should live with money stress. I'm your host, Dan Roman, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time and your attention are super valuable to me, so thank you. My statement to all of you listening is, why are we not taking our personal finances personal? As a reminder, the status of your money is based on the decisions you make with it. Please visit the show notes of this podcast, the details section of this podcast to find social media links, email, website, and how we can connect further. Thank you. Today's topic is going to be uh, about geared towards investing, how to invest. And I want to provide somewhat of a beginner's guide on this world of investing. You know, over the past year and a half, uh, we've seen a lot of things change, not just in the world, but more directly related towards um, the stock market, people investing, people using their stimulus money and just taking a gamble, uh, people actively pursuing investing. And I think it's really dope because for the first time, especially in the younger generation, those, you know, 18 to 25 in that range they're they're men and women young men and women are looking at investing as a thing right when i was growing up we could you know making the month was really the goal investing was never part of the conversation but if you've said to yourself over the last year i need to start investing or I need to do more research on investing or I need to really do something with my money, then you're not alone because a lot of people have said the same thing. Some of you may not know how. Some of you may be scared to even try it. Some of you don't want to lose any money. And to be you know, it's it's a valid concern. What if you put your money into something and you lose it? I mean, who wants to put money into something and it's gone? I don't. That's not fun for me. You know what I'm saying? So I could sympathize and understand why that's a concern for many of you. And if some of you have thought that cryptocurrency is the way to wealth or buying a Home Depot stock, you know, we, we'll address that today. We'll address those concerns, those questions, those hot button things so that you can actually invest, invest the right way and make a lot of money. So today I want to share five Super simple, very easy steps that can get you investing in a safe way that you can understand. After all, my goal here on the Personal Finance Made Simple uh, podcast is to do that. Keep shit simple. We don't need $10 words for $1, you know, concepts. And oftentimes what I've discovered is people are really scared to invest because they don't understand terminology and they don't want to. You know, they don't want to get tricked into something or be tied into something. So we're going to address those things today. Uh, Keep in mind, because I'm going to introduce a safe and an easy way to invest, it doesn't mean that you won't face any risk. And it also does not mean that you don't have, that you can't have an investment that performs great. Just because it's easy doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. And just because it's easy doesn't mean there's no risk. Remember, there's risk in every investment. All investing has risks. So knowing that going in, you're going to be um, better suited to ride the waves of the market 
as it's been said, because today's price ain't is today's price. Tomorrow it could be up, it could be down. Some of you already know that. Some of you have experienced that roller coaster ride, but you only get hurt if you get off. All right, Warren Buffett said that a long time ago. He's one of the most famous investors of all time. Is you only get off of a roller coaster. You only sorry, you only get hurt if you get off a roller coaster. So when it comes time to ride the stock market wave, the best thing you can do is just ride the ride. Stay in it for the long haul. Speaking of Warren Buffett, some of these strategies that I'm going to be introducing to you today are strategies that he's used. It's strategies that are timeless and they work no matter you know what generation or what era we're in. The only big change to investing over the past several years is just the technology and more people getting into it. And I've referenced this before on, on previous podcasts. Uh, there was a study done of over 10,000 millionaires in, in, millionaires in America. And they use these exact same principles that I'm going to share with you today. So the five simple steps to get you investing in a safe way. That's easy to understand. Let's get into it. Number one, budgeting. Not just you know, your money coming in, your money coming out, but budgeting your investing. As all of you know by now, the budget is essential for financial success. And I'm sure many of you are tired of hearing me talk about it, but the truth is is that you need to budget even your investing. So what that means is when you pay your rent, your food, your gas, all your other expenses that you want to pay for, you need to budget in investing because that's money leaving your hand. So my recommendation is 15% of your income before taxes. That's the amount of money you want to invest 15% of. So if you're single, uh, take what you expect to make in a year, multiply that by 15%, and that's the number that you want to invest in a year. Now you can break that up every month, you can break that up weekly, whatever makes more sense to you. So to give you another example, let's say we took your income in a year, multiply that by 15% and then divide that by 12 because there's 12 months in a year. That's the amount of money each month you need to invest. Simple, straight to the point. Now, if you're married, take your combined income. So both people in the marriage take the total income for you, both of you, before taxes times 50%. That's the amount of money you should be investing each year. Okay, Dan, why 15%? 15% allows you to do more things with your money and your budget, right? To have fun with it, to save for other things, because we're not investing 30, 40%. And I've met people that are saving 22, 25, 28% of their income. And while I admire that ambition, that extra savings for retirement is minimizing what you can do with your budget now. And for some of you, that, might, that actually might work for your, for your season in life right now. But for the rest of us, it really just doesn't work. It makes our money tight. Also, 15% long-term is going to help with inflation. And inflation is pretty much the cost of things going up, which averages about 2-3% to every single year. And depending on the kind of investments that you're putting your money into, 15% will also allow you to settle some tax tax issues, uh, depending on how you're investing and 
what kind of classes you're, you're doing with that. But 15% is a really good number that is going to put a nice amount of money each year into your investments. It's going to allow those investments to grow. And then you're also protecting yourself with a little bit of inflation and fluctuations in the market and things of that nature. Now, I'll be honest, some of us might find 15% difficult. It's hard. You know, money's tight. If you feel like 15% is difficult, I completely understand because I, uh, my wife and I, a long time ago, weren't investing at all because we were living paycheck to paycheck. Come and realize we just made a lot of stupid mistakes with money. But fast forwarding to today, right this present moment, some of you might feel like 15% is just it's, it's difficult. So a couple things you can do to give yourself, give yourself a little bit of relief. Now, some of these might seem silly, but follow me for a moment. Cutting some of your expenses in your, in your weekly or monthly situations in your budgets will help out. So, for example, bringing lunch to work instead of buying lunch, right? Huge savings there. Making coffee at home and not buying the $6 latte every day. And some of, some of us do that multiple times a day. Buy generic at the grocery store, maybe going to shop at Aldi's, right? These discount grocery stores. Dropping cable, which the average is over $100 a month. Shopping for new insurance quotes every six to 12 months. You should be doing that no matter what to make sure, to ensure you're getting the, the cheapest rate and the right amount of coverage for where you are in, in, in life at that time. But oftentimes you can save some money when you do that, when you shop around for insurance quotes. And lastly, I mean, there's so many here, but another big one is stop eating out so much. The average person spends over $300 a month on dining out. And $300 a month is a lot of money on food. Imagine you spend $100 a month and you take that 200 and you put it into retirement, right? Not a bad idea. Now you have more wiggle room to do the things you want to do because you're limiting some of your other things. Now, I can keep going. I can provide several more, hundreds more, but the point here is to spend less of your money on certain things so that you can build your future Build your nest egg, as they call it, so that you can enjoy the life you want now, so you can live and love the life you want now, but also in your future, so that when you want to retire and stop working or you want to retire and do something completely different, you can take those chances because you have money that you've been saving and investing properly. And I know many of us have heard the expression, every little bit adds up. And it's true, right? If you, you pinch a few pennies here and there, it will add up. So thinking of that, my question to you is, what can you change in your budget for the coming month of October so that you can start investing into retirement, right? So that you can work investing into your budget and have that be something that's there every single month. Step number two, invest in your employer-sponsored retirement. Pretty much what that means is if you have a job and you get a W-2 or every time around tax season, they may offer a 401k plan. So a 401k plan is an employer-sponsored savings plan that allows you, the employee, to contribute some of your money, some of your income, into a retirement savings account. In most cases, your employer, your job, will also put money into the retirement account for you. This is called employer match. 
Guys, this is free money. No strings attached. Free money because well, the company gets gets tax deductions and special special write-offs for helping you, helping you retire. But scratch all that. They give you free money. So my suggestion is to contribute up to the employer's match. So let's say, for example, your job will match the first four percent, right? So let's say you put four percent. They're giving you 4% because they're telling you that they'll match the first 4%. That's a total of 8%. That's a 100% rate of return. You put 4, they put 4, that's 8%. That is a very effective and clean way and super easy way to generate massive wealth over a period of time because most of us are going to be at certain jobs for a significant amount of time, several years. So in that time, you get the contributions from your job, the contributions that you're putting in, and you also get the appreciation, the gains of the stock market. I think this is an awesome plan. And in that study that was done of over 10,000 millionaires, over 75% of them said that the number one thing they did to build wealth, to become millionaires, was to contribute in their employer-sponsored retirement plan. That's a fact. So a 401k plan, the money you put in um, is, is taken out of your paycheck before you get it, right? Just like your taxes and your health insurance, right? That's automatically deducted from your payroll. It's called a payroll deduction. So it makes saving really easy and automatic. You set it, forget it, and you just build that account every week, every month, every year, to establish some level of wealth, to establish a high level of wealth. Now, all of your 401k plans also are, have tax benefits. So a traditional 401k, right? This is what the, what the plan is called. Uh, the money you put in is made with money that has not been taxed yet. So that means that you don't pay taxes now. You pay taxes when you take the money out later uh, upon retirement. And generally, you, generally you'll see these, these age requirements like must be taken out no later than 59 and a half, uh, no sooner than 59 and a half or 62 and a half or whatever the case is. So when you take that money out in retirement, then you'll be taxed at that point in time. Um, so you kick the can down the road on taxes. That's why it's called tax deferred account or pre-tax, right? Before tax, pre-tax. Tax deferred. That means you're deferring. You're pushing. You're pushing away that tax bill to be handled at a different time. So that's one of the major benefits of a 401k is that it's automatic. It's easy, and also the money you're putting into the to the to the retirement account. That portion that you're putting in reduces your tax bill each year because you're using pre-tax dollars to contribute into your 401k plan. So that's the benefit also is that you're not taxed on that portion, again, hence the tax deferred or pre-tax dollars. Now, some places of work offer what's called a Roth 401k plan, and I love Roth 401k plans because in a Roth 401k, you contribute after-tax money, which means you already paid the tax on it. And it also means because you paid the tax on it, you won't owe any tax later when you retire. 
I recommend a Roth for absolutely everyone that has access to one because you don't pay taxes after you put the money in. Your account will grow by hundreds of thousands of dollars and you won't pay any taxes when it comes to a Roth. That's why I love a Roth. Now, I'll be honest, not all jobs are going to offer the, the Roth 401k option. Um, some of them are only going to offer what's called the traditional 401k plan, which I discussed just a few minutes, a few moments ago. And if that's all that's offered. That's a great way to start saving, right? Because the point is to put money in, have it automatically taken out so you don't even think about it. You live on the money that, you're, that you get left after, you start investing into your 401k account, but you want to invest consistently over time so that you can build wealth. And that's one of the key indicators for people who become millionaires is what they're doing with their investments over a period of time. Number three, the third simple step to investing is to contribute into a Roth IRA. Now, just a few moments ago, I spoke about a Roth 401k. I'm going to explain the differences between the two. So 401k pretty much is a tax law. That's why they call it 401k. It's in section 401, subsection K, where it talks about investing into retirement. A Roth 401k is something that's offered by your job, your employer, as is a 401k account. So to recap, a 401k account is you put money in. In most cases, your job will also match a certain amount in terms of a percentage. And that's called, you know, that's free money. It's called an employer match into a retirement account. And you don't pay taxes on this money. It's pre-tax money being used to invest. And you pay taxes when you retire. Whenever you hear or see the word Roth, R-O-T-H, always think tax-free. That's what Roth means, tax-free. So when your job offers you a Roth 401k, that is a tax-free 401k. That means that if your job is giving you 4% because you put in 4%, that's 8% total, as the example I used earlier, you pay no taxes on the Roth 401k because you're using after-tax money. And a standard 401k, also called a traditional 401k, you're putting pre-tax money. So in a traditional 401k, you get taxed later when you pull it out for retirement. In a Roth 401k, you pay no tax later upon retirement because you paid it up front. So when I say something, when I say Roth IRA, Roth means after taxes, correct? So a Roth IRA, what that is, is... It's an individual retirement arrangement. Now, remember, the goal with, the, with investing overall is 15% of your household income to be put into retirement. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, investing in your employer match is super key. So just to recap, if your job gives you 4% and you put in 4%, that's eight total, right? So when we do, um, when we take into account the 15%, I don't want you to count what the job gives you. That's free money. Let's just leave that as it is. Only factor in what you're putting in, which is that 4% in my example. So 15% minus 4%, that means we have 11% left to invest to complete our 15% requirement to save 
in our investment accounts for retirement. So what I recommend doing is put money into your 401k at your job up to the match, right? That 4% I keep spitting out. And then put the rest, that 11% in what's called a Roth IRA. Roth meaning after tax, IRA meaning individual retirement arrangement. Just like a Roth 401k that I mentioned earlier in step two, it's a retirement savings account that allows you to pay taxes on the money you put in up front and pay no taxes later. And I'm going to keep saying this, but I absolutely love the Roth because your growth in that account is tax-free. Picture a tree and you water the tree and you water it and you water it and it finally sprouts fruit and it's tall and it gives you a lot of shade and it has a lot of leaves. That's what, that's what your retirement account will grow to with time, consistency, love, and care. The last thing you want is for your neighbors to come by picking all the fruit off the tree when it's not theirs. That's what a Roth does with your money. It protects the government from coming back for more after they've already taken some. That's why I like Roth. Sorry if that was a bad example, but it's the best thing I can come up with literally on the fly. As of 2021, so this year, the amount that you can put into a Roth IRA or an IRA is $6,000 or $7,000 if you're over the age of 50. So 50 and over, you get that extra $1,000. It's called a catch-up um, uh, contribution that you're allowed to do. Now, you can set up your Roth IRA through any of the major uh, brokerage houses, so Schwab, Fidelity, uh, Edward Jones, um, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, American Funds, so many more. There's even some smaller local uh, uh, firms that can do all the stuff that the big firms can do. They're just local and they don't want to be national, uh, just like banks, right? There's local banks that you don't see in California because they're only in Connecticut. And then there's banks that you see all over the country because that's that's what they want to do. They want to be national. So don't be afraid of the smaller firms. They're allowed and have the same capacity as all the other big firms. When, when it comes time for your initial investment, right, your principal payment, the, the, the first few payments or the first payment that you make, you can make one fat payment each year, let's say $6,000, or you can break that up uh, monthly so it's automatic. Now, the goal, the goal, if your budget and your income allows you, lets you do, is to max out the IRA investment, which means if the most we can put in is $6,000 each year, then we should do so for many reasons. It keeps the government's hands off your money. It helps you build wealth very quickly. The sooner you invest, the better because you have more time and compounding of interest that works in your favor. Now, if you can't put the $6,000 each year, let's focus on your employer's retirement account to get that match, the free money, and then putting something into your Roth IRA. Remember, every bit counts. So you can do $50 a month or $15 a month. Certain plans, certain brokerage houses might require a minimum. Nowadays, we're starting to see that be less of the case because they're they're all competing against each other to earn your business. But if you're putting $25, $50, $60 a month in a Roth IRA, every little bit will add up. Every little bit counts. Don't be discouraged if you can't put the maximum contribution of $6,000. It's okay if you put in $1,000. It's okay if you put in three grand. 
the goal eventually is to increase your income, budget your money effectively so that you can put in the maximum amount allowable each year. It keeps the government's hands off of it. You can build wealth very quickly and your portfolio will be massive in no time because you're not playing no games. The fourth step to investing is invest in mutual funds. Mutual funds are the best way to invest long term. They have consistent growth because they give you many options when it comes time to invest. They give you options for you to pick from when it comes time for you for you to invest. And you can pick from the largest and most stable companies uh, in, in the country, um, the fastest growing, the newest, um, this, this, which is key. It gives you options. Um, mutual funds also al- helps all of us avoid the risk of buying single stock. Like, let's say we only want to buy Home Depot stock and also from buying crypto. I know people that have crypto, but the benefit of a mutual fund is that it will invest your money in many different ways all at the same time. A mutual fund is created when a group of people have money put together, pulled together to buy stocks in different companies. And I'm talking about several hundred different companies all at the same time in one mutual fund. So the example I like to use when I'm talking about mutual funds is if I give my daughter an option between two boxes. One box has one toy literally in the middle of it and the second box has like 60 to 80 different toys. She's probably choosing the one with the most toys because she has the most options. That's exactly what a mutual fund is. And it also, because you have more options, allows you to diversify your investment, diversify your portfolio, which is one of the most important principles of investing. Diversifying or diversification means picking the box that has the most toys or putting your eggs in many different baskets instead of all one basket. And the reason why that's important, the reason why diversification is important is because it minimizes your risks, okay? Diversification of taking your eggs and putting them in many different baskets allows your eggs to be safe and not scrambled or broken because you dropped one basket, But if all of your baskets, if all of your eggs, sorry, are in one basket and you drop that basket, the eggs are broken. That's why diversification is important. Now, there's four major types of mutual funds that I recommend you look at. Um, I am not giving advice. I'm simply just educating. Uh, But there's four different types that I'm going to go deeper in on next week, on next week's episode. But the four types of mutual funds that that I would recommend you put money into or that I like are growth and income funds. These are the most predictable funds in terms of their market performance, right? Like you know what's going to happen because their track record, you know, it's it's visible, it's there, it's always steady. Growth funds. These are fairly stable funds in growing companies. The risk and reward are like 50-50, right? The reason why it's 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 favorable is because these companies are growing. They haven't reached their fullest potential. And that's, that's important for when it comes time to gain, for gains on your investments, right? Appreciation, increase in value. The next one is aggressive growth funds. These are the wildcats, right? These are the wild kids, the wild funds, the, the things that are, are unpredictable. You're never sure where they're going, what to do, uh, which makes them high risk. But the higher the risk, 
the greater the return, meaning the more risk that the investment is, the greater possibility you're going to walk away with more money. And then international funds. These are funds that invest in companies around the world, and that's key, A, from a diversification standpoint. B, it also allows to have some flavor in your portfolio account because you're just not investing in American companies. You're investing in international companies. And uh, internationally, there are many companies that are, are doing amazing, absolutely amazing. And this is good overall just to have a balance between these four type of mutual funds. So to repeat the four, growth and income funds, growth funds, aggressive growth funds, and international funds. Those are the four that I would recommend, the four types of mutual funds that I recommend you put money into when it comes time for investing. Now, one of the, one of the biggest myths out there that I hear and I've read and I've seen all over social media is that uh, millionaires take big risks and they have their money in really complicated things to be wealthy. And the truth is that's false. Um, Generally speaking, the easier the strategy, the more simple the strategy, the better performance it's going to have over time. And I'll reiterate in that study that was done over 10,000 millionaires uh, to learn more about how they build wealth. And um, none of them said single stocks was the way to build wealth. None of them said, yeah, just buy nothing but Home Depot stock. Buy only Apple stock. Now, that may work for some of you, but if we're chasing a net worth of over a million dollars or more, if we're chasing the status of becoming a millionaire, if we're chasing the life and the wealth of becoming a millionaire, if we want to be able to establish a particular amount of wealth that we could pass to our children, single stocks and cryptocurrency is not the answer. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. The most common path of those that were surveyed in that study, over 10,000 of them, the most common path to building wealth among these millionaires was investing in growth stock, growth stock mutual funds, which I just said the four that I would recommend, um, and also investing in their employer sponsors 401k plan. So food for thought there on, 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 on that one. And then the last step to make investing easy, right? For you know, if you're a beginner, if you want to learn more about it, step number five is work with an investment professional. I mean, it's possible to invest on your own with enough knowledge and understanding on what to do, but we may not all want to. Let's be honest. Like, I'm gonna use this example. I know how to change the oil on my car. I know how to change brakes. I know how to do. I know how to do other things in my car to maintain it. But I don't want to. So I just go to my cousin who's my mechanic and he takes care of it for me and I pay him what he thinks is fair and we walk off and everybody's happy. He made some money. I got work done on my car. Done deal. The same is true with investing. I think it's valuable to have someone who knows the, the changing of laws, knows what's going on in the market at all times. Like someone who eats and breathes and drinks this stuff every single day so you don't have to is pretty valuable. I mean, some of you listening have businesses of your own. You definitely work. You have children. You have a spouse. You have other obligations. Are you trying to tell me you're going to squeeze in time to, you know, read market reports, to look at graphs and charts? That's why working with a professional that knows what they're doing and has been in the industry for, for a decent amount of time 
is an asset. It's a tool in your tool belt. Now, the right professional is someone who's going to educate you on your investment choices so that you are in control. A good investment professional never forgets that you're in control. I want to be very clear here. And for those of you that have been listening to, to me on, the, on this podcast for a while, know what I'm about to say. This is your money that you work for. You're the one commuting. You're the one busting your ass. You're the one dealing with people at work that you can't stand. You're the one dealing with a supervisor that keeps talking to you in a funny way. You're the one earning the money, which means that you get to decide how and where you invest your money. So a great investment professional knows that, and a great investment professional allows you to be in control. You hire that investment professional, whoever he or she is. They work for you. They work for your money, and your money works for you. So if they're not teaching you, but instead they're selling and telling you, walk away, time to find a new professional. A great professional empowers you to make the right choices when the investing options are provided to you. They give you that boost of confidence that you get to decide where you go. And a great investment professional offers a client-first approach. Great pros know that they don't have a job without catering to their clients. Great pros know they don't have a job if they don't have a vested interest in making sure that you and your money grow. And when you're out there talking to people who are investment professionals, you'll hear things like, yeah, I'm a fiduciary, or I have a fiduciary responsibility to do yada, yada, yada. That simply just means that Congress put a law into place saying that it is now required by law that they have their client's best interest at heart, not their own pockets. But sometimes you'll still meet some clowns that forget what fiduciary means. You get to decide because it's your money. The investment pro works for you. Don't let his or her office intimidate you. Never put money into something you don't understand. And if you don't understand something, ask as many questions as humanly possible so that you walk away from that meeting or that Zoom call or that session or that email informed and comfortable. One of the the biggest mistakes anybody could ever make is to trust an investment professional is doing the right thing with your money. And in case you question my my cynicism there, the fact that I'm doubting their their ability to to do what I think they're going to do, how many athletes and musicians have have we heard of that go broke because they had a guy? Oh, I got a guy taking care of my money. I have an accountant taking care of my money. The stories are too many of how many of them have gone broke because they put their trust in somebody instead of trusting themselves. Don't, don't, don't be in that class. Don't be another one of those people that put their money into something and then got burned. Anyone heard of Bernie Madoff? This was at massive scale, but people put their trust into him And he was doing things that put him in jail for a really long time. 
Lastly, I want to address some common questions that I, I face when I'm talking about investing. Um, the first one, when should I start investing? Personally speaking, as a, as a money and financial coach, I like investing when you're out of debt. And the reason I say that is because it's hard to maintain your monthly bills and expenses while trying to pay off debt, while also trying to squeeze out as much money as you can to invest. So let's get rid of the credit card debt. Let's get rid of the student loans. Let's get rid of the car payment. And then we can invest, right? Sounds like a better approach. You have less things coming out of your pocket, less people grabbing at you for money. And then you can live a better life with your budget because you have less stress, more flexibility, and you can invest more. So let's get rid of the credit card debt. Let's get rid of the student loans. Let's get rid of the car payment. Let's get rid of the medical debt. If you have a mortgage, we'll worry about the mortgage a few years down the line in terms of paying it off in full. But let's focus on getting rid of our consumer debt. And then once you do that, let's secure an emergency fund that covers three to six months of expenses because no one is uh, immune to emergencies. So when should you invest? A, get out of debt. Student loans, credit card, car payment, medical bills. B, save three to six months of expenses in an in a emergency fund. And then we can start investing. 15% of your income. You could do that weekly. You could do that monthly. Whatever's comfortable for you. But 15% is that magic number to get us to that millionaire status. Next question. How can I start investing with little money? You can start with anything you want each week, each month. I don't care if it's 10 bucks, 15 bucks, doesn't matter. But if you feel like you're in that, in that boat with little money, the point is just to start. The biggest difference between people building wealth and people not building wealth is one thing. Actually doing it. Actually putting money in. You don't need boatloads of money to invest. Any amount will do. Next question. What age is best to start investing? Regardless of your age, you want to be financially ready to invest as soon as you can. That's because the sooner you begin investing, the more time you have for your money to grow. So let's say we have Jane, right? Let's use an an example. Jane is debt-free, has a fully funded emergency fund of six months of expenses, And she's saving 15% of her income. Now, if she started saving $500 a month, which is $6,000 per year at the age of 25, she would have about $3 million to about $5 million by the time she's 65, based on a 10 to 12% rate of return. Now, I'm using 10 to 12% as raw numbers, estimates, right? Sometimes the market performs much better than that. Sometimes the market performs a little under that. But let's use the average of 10 to 12%. In 40 years, from 25 to 65, her investment accounts would have grown from three to five million (laughs) dollars. That's crazy. And if those of you that have been listening to this podcast carefully or taking notes, imagine if she invested in Roth accounts. Roth meaning after tax. That means that $3 million, that $5 million is tax-free money. It's all James. She doesn't owe anybody anything. That's crazy. 
Now, let's say in the second part of this example, Jane waits until she's 35 to start investing. She's investing $500 a month. She'll have anywhere between 1.2 million to 1.5 million, considering a 10 to 12% rate of return at 65. So in 40 years, between 25, from, I'm sorry, in 30 years, between 35 and 65, she built her investments from about 1.2 to $1.5 million. So waiting 10 years costed Jane millions of dollars at retirement, yes but she's still walking away a millionaire. So if you're over the age of 25 right now and you haven't started investing or you've done some but haven't really continued much, that's okay. You can still build a lot of money. We can't rewind time, unfortunately. But you can start right now with whatever you have. And then as you get on a budget and you get on a detailed plan on how you're going to run your expenses every single month, you'll find more money to invest so that you can build wealth. And when you decide to retire on your terms, you get to decide what's next. Please note that there are other uh, retirement accounts that I have not covered that do exist today. Uh, For example, a 403B. This is a retirement account offered by public schools and certain 501c3 tax-exempt organizations. Employees save for retirement by contributing to these individual accounts, and their employers can also contribute um, to the account of the employees as well. The other one is a 457 plan. These are available for certain state and local governments and non-governmental entities that are tax-exempt under IRC Section 501. A thrift savings plan, also known as a TSP. Uh, This is a retirement savings um, and investment plan for federal employees and members of the uniformed services, so our military men and women, including the ready reserve individuals. There are also retirement accounts for people who are self-employed and even some that are a part of what's called the gig economy or maybe they don't have a standard full-time job. They just have a couple of side hustles or side jobs. There's also uh, retirement savings accounts for them. So next week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit more in depth on the four types of mutual funds that I recommend investing in and keep this conversation going on investing. Thanks again for listening. God bless. Okay. Episode is over. Please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. The more you rate, the more you review. It's going to allow other people to see what we have going on, the community we're building, and the difference we're trying to make in personal finance. As a reminder, this podcast is no way a distribution of tax, legal, or investment advice. The Personal Finance Made Simple podcast is for general education purposes only. Any and all information I provide is strictly for that reason. I have I have and will continue to provide an educated opinion. Lastly, I have not evaluated your financial snapshot, portfolio, or risk assessment. As a reminder, the status of your money is based on the decisions you make with it. So, why are you not taking your personal finances personal? <laughs>